Hey, Mary. Hi, Michael. So you want to talk about life experiences, right? Right. And, and your, your reason for raising this is because... Uh-huh. Um, well, so for, so for example, I'm a PhD student, um, and I spend a lot of time in school, so I don't go out and work in firms where um, I can potentially have more impact in terms of you know, monetary impact for a mm-hmm. firm. So in that case, my stories are probably less as impressive as the others. And so another example is if people who spend more time in the society, then their um, impact can be measured more. Just the nature of school is not going to give you as more impressive stories as the or like diversified stories maybe that's a better way to put it as people in the society for a longer time or not society more like you know the real world <laughs> the real world <laughs> okay so i know what you're asking but i'm gonna i'm uh-huh. gonna ref, i'm gonna reframe the problem for you okay i know what you're asking but i'm gonna reframe it because i think there's a sort of a deeper issue here okay you're saying that certain things you do mm-hmm. generate seemingly better experiences um so mm, if you spend most time in industry you should have all other things being equal better experiences or more impressive stories so okay so you're saying certain roles generate Uh more impressive experiences all other things being equal or like more easily measurable okay so more easily measurable Uh and more impressive right 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 i think you are right there Mm-hmm. You are right in the sense that if you, mm-hmm. if all other things being equal, right, this mm-hmm. central is part of us, mm-hmm. if you go to industry and you work for 10 years there, mm-hmm. you should have more measurable and more impressive things versus if you were in 10 years doing your PhD. Let's assume you're a very lazy PhD student. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You just, not lazy, maybe you just like being a student, right? You just delayed and delayed and delayed, right? Right, just enjoy school. <laughs> yeah, you just love being a student. Right? No taxes, the government gives you cheap loans and so on. Right? So right. I think there are two issues here that you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So let's just layer this, right? Because it's important to layer it. Mm-hmm. Wharton teaches this really good course on, I forget what it's about now. Now I forget what it's about. But I think it's about strategy implementation, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a very nice concept they teach there where they say that um, status. Do you know what status is? Mm, no. Status is the way people rank you in the hierarchy of society. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sorry. <laughs> course. And uh-huh. basically they say that for your status to change, you have to do something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, right? Here's a very important observation. Doing something is not enough. There needs to be a witness that you did something. Mm-hmm. If there's no witness and you do something amazing, your status cannot change. That's a very important observation, right? And right. the age of selfies and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, there's a lot of witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not in Snapchat's case because then it gets deleted. Mm-hmm. But anyway, now, why am I telling you this? Because you, you're forgetting a very important, very, very important concept here. Mm-hmm. Clearly, in an interview, there are no witnesses. Right? Right. There are no witnesses. It's not as if the interviewer is going to say, oh, you did this, let me call up a witness to verify it. Mm-hmm. So you understand that there's no witnesses. Right. You are your own witness. Right. So now, if you did this, if you had this amazing track record, let's say you spent 10 years at uh, Facebook, 
Is Facebook 10 years? I think they are 10 years. Let's assume you spent Facebook, 10 years at Facebook all the way from bringing Mark Zuckerberg food mm -hmm. in the morning to you know, serving as vice president of something. And you had an amazing track record, right? Mm -hmm. Your impressiveness or your status in the interviewer's mind only matters mm -hmm. if you can do two things. One, if you can understand how... If you can understand what you're going to discuss from your 10 years at Facebook, right? Because mm -hmm. you've, you've done a lot of things. You have to pick the most important things, right? Right. So you have to understand what you've done and you've got to be able to prioritize it. So that's the 31st important step. Understand, then prioritize, right? Mm -hmm. And step two, you have to be able to explain it. Mm -hmm. Now, even if you had the most impressive track record, if you cannot understand it, prioritize it, and explain it, mm -hmm. the interviewer is not going to see the alleged impressiveness that you claim to have. Right. Now, on the other hand, let's assume that you spent 10 years at, um, I don't know, Kellogg, Booth, Harvard, whatever it is, studying for economics, right? Uh-huh. And you spent 10 years because you liked doing your PhD. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. You took some time off and you, you lived a really rich life. <laughs> okay. Now, let's assume that in real terms, uh -huh. your accomplishments are only 30% as good as the person who worked at Facebook. Okay. They're only 30% as good, right? But when it comes to understanding it and prioritizing it, you can understand and prioritize it perfectly, which means you understand it 100% mm -hmm. and you prioritize it 100%. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes to explaining it, you explain it 100% correctly. Mm -hmm. 30 times 100 times 100 times 100 is what percent? It's 30%, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's go back to the Facebook example. Let's mm -hmm. assume you only understand 40% of what you've done. Mm -hmm. And people will say, but how can you not understand it? Actually, a lot of people don't understand what they've done. When you dig in, they don't really know what they've done. They can't explain it, right? Mm -hmm. Let's assume the Facebook achievements are... If yours is 30% as impressive, the Facebook achievements are 100%, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you only, understand 50, you only understand half of that. So it's 100% times 50%. Mm -hmm. And you can only prioritize it maybe to 50% of your ability. Mm -hmm. So it's 100 times 50 is 50. Times 50 is 25, right? Right. And then you can maybe only explain it half as well as the PhD. 25 times 50 is 12.5%. <laughs> I don't know if PhD is known for better explaining. Well, it doesn't matter, right? But do, do you <laughs> okay. see what I mean? It doesn't matter right. just what you've done because you've got to hit all those hurdles. Remember, for the interviewer to be impressed, they must believe your status is worthy of it. Right. But because there are no witnesses to confirm your status or you've done something, you have to be your own witness. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to have the ability not just to have done amazing things but to articulate it. Right. So this is what people fail to understand. They fail to understand that it doesn't matter what you've done. Mm -hmm. It matters on your ability to articulate it. Because that's where the race is actually won. Hmm. If you have an amazing profile but you cannot explain it, or mm -hmm. you use jargon and you confuse me, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be impressed with it. And I'm going to fail you right there. Because in my mind, your status hasn't changed. It may have been impressive... When I first saw, you know, 10 years at Facebook, mm -hmm. but then when you come in mm -hmm. and you can't explain it the way your resume seems to indicate you've done things, you just collapse. Mm -hmm. So you are right. Mm -hmm. If you go to certain roles, like if you spend 10 years doing a PhD, let's say mm -hmm. five years, that's more realistic. 
Right. You're obviously going to be at a disadvantage versus mm-hmm. someone who spends five to six years in industry. But you're only at a disadvantage based on role-by-role comparison. Mm-hmm. Then you can we can add a different layer. Now, we, we spoke about your ability to understand it, prioritize, and explain it, right? Mm-hmm. We can add a different layer. What about initiative? Mm-hmm. You, could have, you, can, you can be at a great firm, but you could take no initiative. Right. And you basically did kind of average stuff. Or you can be at a weak school, at a weak mm-hmm. program, but you take a lot of initiative. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So that's another layer. Can you see how that changes then? Right. Then what about your own willingness to talk about yourself? Some people just don't like talking about what they've done. Mm-hmm. So you keep on adding these layers mm-hmm. and they become, new, they become new ways to compete against people who have better profiles. Mm-hmm. In fact, I will say that if you see someone who has a good profile, you should be very happy because the person is going to assume the profile is enough. They will naturally be weaker at other things. Mm-hmm. They, won't take for, they won't assume that they have to be better at understanding it. They won't assume they have to be better at explaining it because just assume I have a great profile and I'm safe. Mm-hmm. That is their Achilles heel. You know what mm-hmm. Achilles heel is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They're going to be weaker because they think they're stronger. Mm-hmm. So as a PhD student, you can, in your case, when you're involved with social stuff and so on, it's, you can really differentiate mm-hmm. yourself easily against people with experience. Mm-hmm. Does it answer your question? Yeah, it just makes me think I need to go back and try to articulate my... uh, It comes back to the point you said. uh Someone may have more experience. That's not true. Everyone has the same amount of experience. It's who is better at mining that experience. Mm -hmm. Think of your entire body of knowledge as a mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a mine in the ground. And now you need to apply technology to remove the precious ore from that. Mm -hmm. The better your abilities to extract the ore and convert it into something valuable, the more mm-hmm. money you'll make. The worse you are doing that, even if you sit on the world's most valuable mine, mm-hmm. you don't know how to extract it, you don't know how to convert it into something valuable, you will fail. I see. If, you know, people are always surprise me. always tell me, Michael, I have nothing to talk about. There's a very good story here about a guy. Is this guy actually is, he now works at McKinsey, uh-huh. and he's on track to be an associate principal this year, right? I like him because he was one of the very first clients we had in Firms Consulting first started, right? Mm-hmm. And he was a very nice guy, but he, he didn't have anything amazing. He used to work as a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Then he worked for a logistics company, family-owned business. And people mm-hmm. told him that he would not be a good fit for McKinsey. Mm-hmm. And then we taught him how to explain his experiences and insights from managing a fleet of trucks. Mm-hmm. Which, if you think about it, it's like a FedEx delivery guy, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we got him to talk about his experiences in a more logical way, to show the insights. Now, how did he make these decisions? How did he see things other people didn't do? How did he optimize his fleet of trucks? Hmm. So we took something really mundane, and we explained it from a deep strategy perspective. Right? Um, I see. So we didn't talk about the fact that, oh, I was a truck delivery guy. I mean, they said, no, you know, I manage trucks, but these are the kind of problems I faced, and this is the way I thought it through. Like, how did I figure out how the company could save 25% on gasoline bills? This is the a pilot I ran. This is the way I tested the pilot. This is the way I calculated the analysis. This is the way I convinced other drivers to follow through on this. Mm-hmm. This is how I embedded the new policy at the company. This is how we use the savings to expand the company. 
And that's how I became kind of the head of operations for a trucking fleet. Mm. It's never about what you do. Mm-hmm. It's about how you can explain the insights about what you do. And another example, mm-hmm. uh, we had a guy mm-hmm. who he had this, you know, he was telling me the same thing. I've done nothing in my personal time, nothing. <laughs> and then I said, no, you have done. So just tell me what you've done. Because when people say they've done nothing, that's not what they're telling you. They're, they're saying that based on what I think is important, I've done nothing. Right, right. But I don't want you to tell me what you think is important. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you've done and I'll decide it's been important. And mm-hmm. this guy told me a story about how he visited every baseball stadium in the United States. <laughs> and I wow. thought, that's an amazing story. <laughs> wow, okay. That is a story, right? And he did yeah, it because of his father you know, passed away and he promised his father he would go to every baseball stadium. And then we built a story out of it. And then we have another situation where we have a lady, she will be joining our program pretty soon, mm-hmm. where she was, um, she grew up in the streets of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. She became homeless, uh, lost mm-hmm. her money, you know, fell out of school, uh, joined the army, and then went on to an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. but a terrible grades for undergraduate. And we were able to build a story for her about how, what she learned by being homeless. Mm-hmm. The issue wasn't that, oh, I was homeless, feel sorry for me, because you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that, look, you know, I was homeless, and I've picked up certain things that I would never have picked up. Mm-hmm. I have a better understanding of how you, people think, how they make decisions, how they prioritize, how consumers make choices when they have very little options. Mm-hmm. That's the, the focus we took for her. Or we are taking, it's now actually happened. Mm-hmm. It's always about what you can extract. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem I face actually comes with Chinese and Indian students. Mm-hmm. Everyone I speak to tells me their biggest achievement is coming to the United States. <laughs> so you're telling me that, you know, generally you are obviously educated. You pro- probably come from a, not wealthy, but a well-off family. Right. How hard it is to come to the United States if you have that background, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, you're saying that it was so traumatic to go to the visa office and you overcame that hurdle. <laughs> so, so what, I, what I find is that you know people who come from China, it's a huge country. Right. If you come from you know Shenzhen, you're going to be different from someone who comes from Nanjing, right? Or Nanjing. Right. Nanjing is called right. Nanjing now. Nanjing. Yeah. Yeah, and it comes from Shanghai. So, what happens is that when people are maybe a little bit embarrassed about their background, mm-hmm. they are unwilling to even think about it, mm-hmm. and they don't want to even mind it. I find that very common with Chinese and Indian students. They're so, because when they come to the United States, they want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of embarrassed about their culture a little bit. Right. And they well, kind of hide it. I'm not saying everyone's like that. Uh-huh. But I think that, they, that a lot of foreign students try to show mm-hmm. that they are just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Rather than explaining why their differences allow them to fit in better. Mm-hmm. You know, America is a lot of immigrants, Right. Mm-hmm. The fact that you understand that means that you are really good at now understanding how the fastest growing consumer segment in the United States makes decisions. Mm-hmm. But people don't even talk about that. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even bring up. I mean, you've got 400,000 Chinese students in the United States. Mm-hmm. All of them, every one of them, when they, when, they, when they do their PhDs, if you ask them about an accomplishment, it's, mm-hmm. about, it's either one of two things. It's how I convince the professor to spend money on something or to agree with me on something mm-hmm. or it's to how I ran a case competition or something in a case club <laughs> uh, and, and just about everyone does it I would say 99% and they kind of leave a lot of very useful experiences on the table 
Right. And that to me is like having a mind, but you're not mining it. Hmm. I guess it's a little bit, it's difficult for us to think about. Yeah, it's, this is a skill that needs um, practice. I guess we just didn't spend much time thinking about it. Yeah, the example I give, the example I use with people is, um, mm-hmm. very, I'll give you a very simple example with you. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite movie? Who uh, the Shark Redemption? The Shark. Okay, that's a famous movie. That's a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's also a bit of an older movie. What is your uh, a movie you really liked? You've watched in the last say three years. Uh, the Revenant. The Revenant. The Revenant. Why is that familiar? What is it about? It's uh, it's about this guy who's um trying to revenge for his son. He was um hit by a bear and. Oh, the one with um. Yep, the Martin, uh, Martin Scorsese. It's uh, the one that won the Oscars with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, now think about this, right? Mm-hmm. How many movies have been made about guys going into the wilderness and seeking vengeance? Um, I mean, probably a lot. I just a lot, right? see a lot of them. Uh-huh. A lot. I mean, a lot. I mean, that's basically what mm-hmm. guys do on a weekend. They watch other guys kill other guys, right? <laughs> If you had to summarize manhood, that's what it is, right? Uh-huh. So now imagine like a thousand movies have been made this way, right? Mm-hmm. And another movie is coming up. Mm-hmm. Now imagine I'm a movie producer. I'm funding the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I sit down with this. I think it's a it's a Mexican, it's Mexican or Spanish director who did the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's explained to me his vision for a new movie. Mm-hmm. Which sounds just like every other movie, right? Except right. a bear does a dance with a guy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how do I mm-hmm. get the producer to see that I'm trying to do something different? You use different actors. <laughs> you use more famous ones. Well, well yeah, different actors, but, but the storyline sounds exactly the same, right? Right. It sounds, it's about- it sounds pretty similar. If, I, if someone tells you this movie about a guy who goes into the wilderness, gets betrayed by his friend, attacked by wild animals, and seeks vengeance, it sounds like every movie made every year, right? Right. So clearly, the director needs to create a different vision mm-hmm. from existing material. Right. From common material. Right. Do you see that? Yep. It's the director's job to take a script, which may be impressive, but usually isn't, mm-hmm. and see something other people cannot see. Mm-hmm. And convince them of that. Your job is the same with your background. Your background is basically a memoir waiting to be converted into a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's your job to convince people it's worth converting into a movie. You have mm-hmm. to see it in a way other people cannot see it, and you have to explain it in a way other people cannot explain mm-hmm. it. Now, I remember watching this movie called Blue Jasmine. Have you heard of it? Yep, I watched it. The one with, uh, what's her name? Uh, I'm horrible with names. It's about a lady who loses everything and starts off, right? Right, right. And, and she loses everything because her husband commits suicide, if I'm not mistaken. I think she, her husband was cheating on her, and she, she calls called the, the FBI. Yeah, FBI. Right. Now, now let, me, let me explain something to you. Right? Uh-huh. That was one of the most boring movies I ever watched. Because I was expecting a climatic end. I mean, okay, it was climatic when we find that she was responsible uh-huh. for actually losing everything because she put her husband in trouble, right? Right. Now, I'm thinking to myself here, if I had to read the script... Mm-hmm. None of the script, if I had to listen to the idea, I would not... I would, I would imagine, why is the movie director... Why is the producer funding this movie? 
Mm-hmm. It sounds so basic. Mm-hmm. But clearly the director was able to articulate a vision that made it compelling. Mm-hmm. So my point is that it doesn't matter how boring something is. It can be the most boring thing in the world mm-hmm. if you can articulate it in a compelling way. Mm-hmm. So people say it can't be done, mm-hmm. go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Do you know there's a Marvel superhero movie coming out roughly every five months? Yes, that's right. And, you know, I could be wrong, but they all look the same to me. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way, too. They all look the same. I mean, I remember I was watching a movie the other day, and I think, but didn't I watch this before? Uh-huh. Wait, there's actually a new movie. Mm-hmm. And they look the same to me. Mm-hmm. But clearly, for the audience, they're able to articulate a vision that is working. Mm-hmm. It looks the same, it sounds the same, but your ability is to explain uh-huh. it in a way that is compelling. Like the way we took the guy's track experiences uh-huh. and so on, yeah? Yeah, so how can we gain this skill? Now that is a good uh-huh. topic for the next podcast. Okay. 